Hello, friends. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is where you are at. This is Plot Twist Please, the podcast. I'm Shamaya. It sounds like papaya, except it's not. Today is an exciting day because it's my first podcast. What? What? Ooh, plot twist, please. That's who. Oh, God. <laughs> Continue if you dare. we raise your hand if you're ready for a good time. I can't see you, but I know your hand is raised. I promise you're going to have some good times, some laughs, some learning, um, and hopefully you will leave having become a little better in your soul, in the crevices of your heart, the hard to reach places. Anyway, I'm really excited because I've been spending months, as I'm sure many of us have, talking to myself when I could be talking to all of you, you know, you know? So here I am, and very soon a good friend of mine is going to join us. Today's subject is voiceover work and trusting your journey. One day I was sitting on my sofa that I did not buy myself and I thought, So many friends of mine aren't able to do what they love to do right now. So many performers and artists and musicians can't be in a theater or can't be on a stage um, because of quarantine. And quarantine is really important right now. And, um, you know, self-isolation is really important. But uh, many of our gigs have been canceled or postponed indefinitely. And... Maybe, just maybe, it would be of use to some people out there to get to know a different industry that they maybe touch shoulders with, but don't fully understand. So that is why I thought it would be fitting to talk about voiceover work, since I'm sure some of us, some of us are thinking, hmm, let's see, what is this over here that I see, you know, people making money off of from home? What is this industry here that I could dip my toe into? So consider this the pool for your toe to be dipped in. But put on your floaties because we're going in deep. Also on the subject of being one's own boss, I thought my good friend Elena would be the perfect person to talk about this. So without further ado, here she is. Hi, everyone. Hi, Elena. How are you? Good. How are you today, Shamaya? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, of course, of course. I'm so glad that you were able to come on. Thank you. So uh, let's start out with my first question. Um, what is your official title? So I am an actor, vocalist, dancer, and voiceover artist. Awesome. And who inspires you? Yeah, I think I feel really fortunate because I have a lot of friends in this industry who are not only killing it professionally, but also maintain this really great, you know, attitude of gratitude um, and are just, you know, really grounded and recognize that there's something bigger than the industry that's going to be there for them, even when the industry isn't. And, you know, I think you're one of those people we've talked about this. And so I'm grateful to know you. And I think that's inspiring that you have that attitude. And um, I can think of a few other people that come to mind who are like that. I think that's so important. And um, that definitely inspires me. You are so sweet. And all that is awesome. I concur. Um, I also believe that you are, it's like that quote, you're the sum or the average of the closest five people in your life. I totally believe that. Um, And just the people who you surround yourself with can significantly impact your mindset. So what do you hope that people can learn from you? I think I would hope that people will learn that 
there's no one right way to success. Like there's lots of different paths to the same mountaintop. Um, so just staying open to how you're going to get there, I think is really important and it'll open up all kinds of possibilities. Um, like as we're going to talk about, I think my path was really unconventional and there were a lot of things that I never planned for, but they ended up being really the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah, that's so interesting. I feel like we think we have everything planned out and then life is like, you thought. So, Enneagram, <laughs> what is yours? We want to know. Yes. Um, I am a one wing two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, like I'm not really as well versed in what the wings mean, but I definitely identify with being a one, like very workaholic, um, perfectionistic. Um, is that a word? It is now, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, and just always wanting to do the right thing, um, which I think sometimes like puts me at odds with my workaholism um, because it's not always the right thing to work yourself to the bone. In fact, it rarely is. So <laughs> Yeah, and I find that artists, especially who are perfectionists, um, put an enormous amount of pressure on themselves that's really not realistic. Like, we want to be on Broadway before, mm-hmm. we're 20, before we're 26, or we, we just have to get to the next level, so we put our health um, on the back burner. Especially when we're in a collaborative environment, that can be really taxing on a group mentality. Yeah, yeah. Perfectionism is really useful when you're the only person involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you're just bettering yourself. Then it's like, it's really, really useful to be able to hold yourself accountable, but it's not so useful when you're a collaborator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and especially I'm, yeah. I'm being faced with that part of myself during quarantine because I have nothing to do but force myself to work, and sometimes that can be to my detriment. Speaking of things that could be to my detriment, what shows are you binging right now? Um, I'm almost done watching Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu. It is so addicting. It's so well done. I have one episode to go. I, I'm actually surprised I didn't just binge the entire thing, but it also is like it's so much that you need to space it out because there's so many plot twists. Hey, title drop. Hey, um, hey. <laughs> it's just like it's wild. It's a roller coaster. And um, I also think it just it, it really it, it does a great job of leading some really uncomfortable discussions about race, about motherhood, about challenging what what those things mean. Um, and so I think it's it's just really well done. And there's a lot of really great points of view in there. So I would definitely recommend it. Wow. I've heard a lot about that show. I'm like, yeah, it's, Hulu is on it. Hulu, Hulu, Hulu knows is, how to get us. Yes. They are churning some stuff out. I know I I've been sleeping on Hulu, but I really need to like get, get more on it and the content that they're offering because this is really fantastic. And I also, I also want to mention too, like, it's largely led by a team of women who are executive producers, writers, creators on this show. Oh. So I, I think that's really cool too. Love that. Um, so let's see, let's see. What is something you are passionate about outside of your career? Yeah, <laughs> this is so hard as a type one because I am I am passionate about my career and I wouldn't be doing it if that weren't the case. Um, and so I think it's it's hard to to name something that I love more than this. But I will say that because I am passionate about it, I need to remind myself to give time to create for no other purpose than to create, not for mm-hmm. a deadline or a goal or monetary gain, but like just for the joy of creating. And I think sometimes I get so wrapped up in meeting those deadlines and, and mm-hmm. having to meet quotas and things like that, that I forget, Hey, when was the last time that I sang just to sing or 
I don't know, consumed instead of uh, just churning things out. Um, because that's important too. Like it's important to feed your own creativity. Otherwise, you don't you have you don't have anything in your cup to pour from. So um, I think that's kind of my roundabout answer to that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. Uh, let's see. What would you say is some is a time that you've overcome a fear of yours? I think um, so. For more than two years of my life, I lived overseas. I lived in Hong Kong. And mm-hmm. when I was preparing to make that move, one thing that I really wanted to be able to do was to take lots of trips and to go lots of different places on my own, like an eat, pray, love type thing. But I was also like terrified that I wouldn't be able to do it for fear of the unknown, for fear of, I don't know, um, literally anything. Like I would talk myself out of it time and time again, even after I had already made the move, there were opportunities and like, I found out I had a long weekend and, you know, why didn't I make use of that time and go somewhere? Mm. And I talked myself out of it time and time again. Um, and then finally, when I did pull the plug and just say, okay, that's it. I'm going to Taiwan. I'm going by myself and we're just going to, we're going to do it. It's going to be great. Um, I found this like freedom in being alone and this really weird sense of calm that I couldn't explain. It's like when you realize that everything around you is unfamiliar and the only familiar thing that you have is yourself, you really have to rely on that and just be vigilant and you find out like how much you're actually capable of. So I ended up doing that several more times in those two years and, and figuring out that I actually really love traveling alone. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So what, what was that like um, being, what was, can you explain more what that was like going to a country you've never been to before and, you know, discovering things you could do on your own? Yeah, it was a total <laughs> leap of faith in the, the greatest sense of the word. Um, mm-hmm. I had always wanted to work for the Walt Disney Company, which was the reason I was going to Hong Kong. Um, I, it was never in my plans to go to Hong Kong to do that. But as mm. I kept auditioning and auditioning and realizing how badly I wanted it, it became clear to me that I, I didn't care how far I had to go um, to make it happen. And so when this opportunity came along, I just knew that I had to do it, even though I actually didn't even know what my job was going to be for sure. They just Ah. said, you might be this, you might be that. You'll find out when you get to Hong Kong. (laughs) Oh, wow. So it was, it was a big ask to like pick up my life and move 8,000 miles away without really even knowing for sure (laughs) what exactly I was going to be doing. Um, but it was worth it in every sense of the word. It was totally transformative. I learned a lot about myself and about what's important to me. And I had the chance to work with tons of different people from different countries, different backgrounds. And it really gave me some perspective that I would not have had if I had been here and if I had stayed in my own little bubble. Um, so it, it was amazing. And, and besides that, it was cool because it was, you know, the Disney dream on top of that. So, mm-hmm. so um, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was a really, really wonderful chapter. Wow, that's incredible, because I feel like a lot of people um, go through life just not taking those kinds of leaps, and that's that's really amazing, because a lot of people are afraid to do that. Yeah, totally, uh, yeah. yeah. And it can be scary, but, you know, it's one of those feel the fear and do it anyway <laughs> situations. Yeah, I love that. Um, so what drives you? I think 
I find myself waking up every morning just motivated to put something out in the world that wasn't there yesterday. Um, mm. So whether that's, like I said, singing just to sing or working on a new piece of music or it's, you know, building my business. Um, I'm just a person who loves to-do lists. I love checking things off. So I try to do that every day, just make a list of things, especially now in quarantine. I feel like I would be going insane if I didn't give <laughs> myself some type of assignment and some type of purpose. So <laughs> that's really what I've been doing is just um, trying to leave the day better than I found it. Mm, gotcha. Um, and what is something that you've discovered about yourself recently? Um, so yeah, I, I've actually realized that I need breaks. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> and this has been like the biggest, most dramatic illustration of going, you know, a hundred to zero in five seconds flat. Um, mm -hmm. right before, well, when all of this really started, this meaning this virus, this pandemic, um, I was working at a show full time at the Marriott theater. Um, and we, we closed a few days early. We were really lucky that we got to finish out almost all of our run. We just closed four days early. Um, and so going from that rigorous schedule of being at work, you know, five days a week, eight hours a day, whatever it was, to all of a sudden that coming to a crashing halt was like mm. a completely stark difference. Um, but, you know, I'm in some ways kind of enjoying it because as much as I loved working there and it's a fantastic place to work, I really hope I get to go back someday. Everybody there is wonderful. Um, it is so demanding. And I had no idea how tough that schedule was until I was in it. Even, even when I was working for Disney and that was a full-time thing all to itself, that was completely different than this. Um, and so I kind of realized as much as I love this, I really am not built to be doing this 365 days out of the year. I need breaks. Mm. So um, I think that that's going to be informative for me going forward and trying to plan my schedule and think, okay, I, I want to do two, maybe three shows this year. And the rest of the time, I really, I want to have more control of my time. Um, and that's actually been something really great about this quarantine that I've learned is I do have control of my time. And so I get to choose how I spend it. Um, and, and so you know, that can be a dangerous thing too. It's like, you don't want to have too much mm -hmm. free time. You also want to use that time responsibly, which I think is why I'm giving myself little missions every day. Um, mm. But yeah, the point is balance is important. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, especially being a performer, I feel like people don't understand or people don't, you know, really take in the fact that you are using your whole body all the time. Yeah. Um, when you're on stage, your whole, your mind, your emotions, everything. Um, and that can be taxing if you're doing that constantly and not giving yourself a break. Absolutely. So I, I think it's yeah. super important. Um, yeah, that balance is so vital, um, especially in terms of longevity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that was the other thing, too, is that, you know, we, we were lucky. Our schedule was such that it was not six days a week. It was five days a week with three days where we did two shows a day. Um, so, like, three mm -hmm. full days and then... Uh, I guess two half days or, you know, evening days only. Um, so we did have like a, a quote unquote weekend on Mondays and Tuesdays, but you know, I would, my friends will tell you, and, and you can, you can, you can tell me too, because I know I was not the greatest friend during this period. Um, 
I like fell off the grid during those two days because I literally just needed time to like sleep. <laughs> so I've learned that I really cannot run myself down like that because then I, I do a disservice to my relationships, to my friendships, um, to my own personal health. So, um, that's going to be an ongoing challenge for me as I continue to pursue this career, um, and try to, like you said, uh, concern myself with longevity. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're awesome. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like artists in general, because I feel like we have our, our things that we do for our creative outlets and then we have our day job and then we have the thing that makes us money. Right. So, it's tough. You know, it's, yeah, it really is. Um, what is something that you are glad didn't happen? Yeah, this is, I actually love talking about this because it's kind of, um, for me, it goes hand in hand with everything happens for a reason, which I know sounds, you know, really contrived, but I really do believe that. And the example that I always, always think about is I auditioned for the Walt Disney Company for five years. I auditioned 20 times and it took me until the 20th time to finally get it. And looking back and after kind of seeing the, the, the backside of, of the company and everything, and I love it so much, but after seeing really like the, the ins and outs of the things that I thought that I wanted, I realized that the, the opportunities that I was chasing would not have made me happy um, and would have maybe mm. even turned me away from the thing I was actually meant for. So I was really grateful, you know, that those things did not work out. Um, and I actually feel like I was being protected from those things. And so that's kind of what I try to think about now is that if I don't get something and I really, really am heartbroken about it, um, I try to remember that and, and keep in mind that there is definitely something better coming. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I feel like um, for a lot of for a lot of artists, I think specifically performers, specifically theater artists, and when we don't get that next mm -hmm. gig, um, it's easy to go inward and, you know, try to dig up all those insecurities um, of what we may have done wrong. And in the grand scheme of things, maybe that thing just wasn't right for us. Maybe it wasn't time for that thing to oh, happen. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's rarely you, know? you did something wrong. It's m much more often mm -hmm. it's not the thing for you. There's nothing you could have done. Um, so it's just about putting yourself out there. And like I said before, like knowing the what, knowing what you want, but staying open to how it's going to happen. Um, mm. Oh, that's great. And that's not an original that. idea. Um, I've heard that several times through, you know, books about the law of attraction and things like that. Um, and I think that's mm. so important because how can we know, you know, so just staying open to it and being intentional um, really allows for amazing things to come to us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what has been the biggest plot twist of your life? <laughs> I would <laughs> definitely say um, getting that phone call that they wanted me to come to Hong Kong. That was completely mm. out of the blue. I, I, I really didn't know like that, that that was in the cards for me. Um, and if you had told me four years before that, five years before that, that that was what I was going to do, I, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I talked about before, it ended up being so important for me to go there and to test how independent I could be and to learn how to interact with lots of different personality types and figure out where I fit in there. And, um, 
you know, learn how to work through being separated from my support system, um, which I had done for a little bit in college because I went to school in Philadelphia. I'm from the Chicago area originally. Um, And that was kind of like taking the training wheels off. That was a good baby step for Hong Kong. Um, Because, you know, being on a complete flipped schedule from your family and not being a phone call away from them all the time, it like it felt a little bit to me like being on a reality show where they take your phone away and you can't you like you can't talk to the uh, voice of reason no. back at home. <laughs> um, and you just you have to figure it out for yourself. I'm not saying that I never communicated with my family or, or, or anything like that. Of course I did. But, you know, they're not immediately there and they're not um, you can't like give them a hug when you're having a bad day. You need to like kind of dig yourself out of your own hole. And um, so that was a really important lesson for me. And I would not have experienced that if I, if I hadn't literally been that far away from them. So. Hmm. So what is a typical day for you like in quarantine right now? <laughs> like, what does your schedule look like? Yes. You know, I just, you know, sort of like roll out of bed and have a coffee. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, yeah, I, yeah, I need to be waking yeah. up earlier. That is a thing that needs to happen, but I'm such a night owl. It's so tough for me. Um, <laughs> but you know, once I get, once I get my coffee in me and once I get going, um, I immediately just, uh, you know, start checking my email and getting back to clients and start turning around jobs. Um, then I, I might listen to a podcast about, you know, trends in the voiceover industry or a marketing podcast and just, you know, always trying to think of ways that I could be doing things better and ways that I could be reaching people better and serving people better. Um, so I'm, I'm really trying to use this time to be kind of an incubation period for myself and for my business. Um, and just, learn what I don't know, because there is always something you don't know. And, you know, networking is a big part of that, too. Um, just getting connected with people on Facebook groups, within the industry, um, any way it's possible, you know, that's that's really useful, too. So I spend a good part of my day doing that as well. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, as a fellow freelancer, it's like, it's a daily thing, I feel like. Oh, yeah. It's like, that's all is, yeah. <laughs> um. So how do you go about balancing work and your personal life? (laughs) So being a workaholic, I feel like I almost have to trick myself into allowing myself to spend time on enjoyable things. (laughs) Um, And so I literally will add them to my to-do list, like add fun things to my to-do list, because then it feels like I'm accomplishing something, even if it's just, you know, sell your turnips on Animal Crossing. (laughs) It's, well, I put it on my to-do list, so I have to do it. You know, I... I have to, um, I have to indulge in self-care today because it's on my to-do list. So, um, I kind of have to trick myself into doing it. Um, otherwise I'll literally forget. Like my boyfriend will get annoyed with me because he'll say, are you ready to watch the bachelor presents? Listen to your heart. And I'll go, wait, I totally forgot that we were supposed to do that. I need to put that on my to-do list for every Monday night. Um, (laughs) so, so yeah, it's vital. Yes. yes, It's, you got to build in time for trash television people. That is, that is necessary to (laughs) self-care. It's a vitamin every day. Um, and what would you say, um, or how do you think gender inequality has impacted how you go about your business? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for a lighter topic. I, yeah. It's, it's something you can't get away from in any industry. I will say in the last decade or less than a decade or so, um, there has been 
more of an emphasis on seeking female talent in the voiceover industry and seeking non-binary mm. talent, which is, is really great because it used to be a very male-dominated field. And now it's, it's, mm. it's evening out a little bit more, which is really great. But there still are things like we know from analytics research that when people type in voiceover, they're almost always searching for a male voiceover. So oh. just even learning from that, that I, I then have to adapt to human behavior in that way. And, and you know, um, when I'm focusing on my search engine optimization and things like that and marketing, I have to add the word female before everything, which is really oh, wow. interesting. Um, but wow. I am grateful that there have been, you know, no shortage of opportunities. And in general, it's, it's really been a booming decade for voiceover. Um, so that's that's been really great. Um, and I haven't I, I guess I feel fortunate. I haven't really felt like I've experienced too much, you know, sort of disrespect or anything like that because I'm a female business owner. Um, but I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen. It, it certainly it certainly does. It certainly does. And I think there's always the risk of clients not taking you as seriously and not wanting to meet your price point and things like that um, because they think they might be able to push you over. Um, so I've really had to work on being more assertive, if anything else. Um, but it's, you know, you can also say no to things. So um, I think I think all of that kind of goes hand in hand. And those are just good business practices, but they're especially important for um, for women in business as well. Wow, that's so interesting. Because I feel like women oftentimes feel like, well, I'm not speaking about women generally, but I know for me as a freelancer, sometimes I'll find myself um, making my price point a little lower because I'm like, oh, well, are they going to think I'm as valuable? But no, like you are, you know? Yeah, it's like, how do you place value on your art? But at the same time, your art is your service. It's your product. So of course it has value. But like, how do you, how do you, quantify that you know it's really it's it's a tough mm-hmm. thing and it's something I'm always reevaluating. so mm. so recently I was thinking about um pos- women in positions of authority or boss ladies <laughs> if you will um and how sometimes support from men can be progressive but sometimes it can be patronizing and like the difference between those two dynamics um, like mm-hmm. sometimes it's rooted in misogyny. And so I was wondering what your experience has been. Well, with- you know, sort of passively, I'll refer to myself as a boss lady, boss babe, da 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 um, And I, mm-hmm. I can't say that I interact with men a lot who, who kind of throw this term around. But I will say when you say that, it does make me think of one really specific example. When I got into a conversation during a house party with, um, that my dad was throwing with one of his older colleagues. And we just got to talking and... Um, it came up that I used to live in Hong Kong and he just launches into this mansplaining explanation of the sociopolitical state of Hong Kong. And, you know, in, in Mm -hmm. such a way that it came across like he was trying to educate me on it. And I actually had to correct him on a few things. And he seemed Mm. like, he, (laughs) he seemed very surprised. He was like, you know so much about this. Wow. And I said, well, Yes. I mean, I lived there for two years. I wasn't going to live there and be blind to what was going on. You know, it's my responsibility to know. And he said, listen, don't take this the wrong way, but have you ever thought about going into business? You know, we could really use some smart women like you. And my two of my best friends were uh, kind of standing in the the corner of the room, sipping their wine at this point, like, oh, shoot, like she's going to drop this bomb because they know what I do for a living. So then I was like, well, actually, I 
I already run my own business. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yes, you do. But to me, it was like really infuriating that he assumed that one, I didn't know what was going on in the world in a country that I lived in for over two years, no less. Mm. And two, I couldn't possibly already be in business. And this was like the first time anyone was suggesting it to me, let alone own my own business. So... Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of frustrated me that he made those assumptions. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man. Yeah, it's like, it's like the assumption that either a woman who's like knowledgeable about the world or who is, who's well-traveled or has a, like a lot of worldly intelligence or awareness is rare. Right. Or, <laughs> Yeah, you know? it was as if he had just discovered this like endangered animal that like, oh my goodness, like an intelligent woman who is in business? What? Like, yikes, <laughs> I was like, yikes. we're everywhere, my dude. Like, you just got to open your eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's the, oh, this couldn't be possible. Right. What? Y- you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally get that. Um. So um how did you get into voiceover yeah it was so random um a friend of mine the the summer after we graduated college just kind of planted the seed in my head she's like did you know that there's these you know freelance websites where you can sell any service or any good or whatever and she's like and you know you could you could maybe get into voiceover I feel like you've got a really good voice for that and I was like I I have no idea about any of this I don't know how to do this um I have no clue Um, but I remembered a college professor of mine encouraging all of us at one point in our business of theater class that we needed to find, or she encouraged us to find a hobby of ours, whatever makes us, she said, whatever makes us forget to eat and poop. Um, and (laughs) she said, if you can turn that into your, your day job, then you won't be miserable because you're doing something you love and Mm. you found a way to monetize it. Um, and that allows you to pursue theater. And so I kind of had that in the back of my head. And then I really just kind of started flying by the seat of my pants and doing what I thought a voiceover artist did and doing the voice that I thought people wanted. And um, it took me a really long time to figure that out. But uh, eventually I started to learn and started to take feedback from clients and do more research and started to upgrade my studio and do more marketing. and fast forward to today, now it's, it's, you know, it's my full-time income. So it really just skyrocketed once I decided to start approaching it like a business owner. Mm, gotcha. So can you name some of your former clients? Sure. Um, I think some of the ones that people would know uh, would be Google, uh, Visa, um, Macy's, Cisco, Rothy's Shoes, BP, um, Crunchmaster gluten-free crackers. <laughs> uh, so those are just to name a <laughs> Love few. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what would you say is um, your proudest moment as a voiceover actor? I think if I had to boil it down to like one job, I would say the Google thing for sure. That's very exciting. And I'm really excited <laughs> so for that cool. to come out. I'm going to be the voice of the Google Home app. Um, I think it's, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how present I'm going to be in that, but I know that I'm going to be the voice that you hear when you're pairing things to your Google home. Um, thank so you. Cool. Yeah, I'm oh my gosh. You're like trying to downplay it. Like, oh yeah, it's <laughs> like what? Get out. It is pretty exciting. 
Um, but <sighs> so I think cool. overall, just being able to count on this and rel- rely on this as a career um, is probably overall my proudest moment. Mm. That's awesome. So uh, what is the hardest part about getting into voiceover acting? Because I feel like for a lot of people, actors, it can seem kind of intimidating. Yeah. Well, let me first start by saying I think there's a lot of ways to do this. There's not, like I said before, there's not one right way to do anything. Um, but I think for a great part of the industry and the, the, the side of the industry that I'm on, that is, I don't have an agent. I'm not part of the union. I'm the one finding all my own uh, work. If you're going to get into that side of it, um, you can't really just think of yourself as a voice artist, as a voice actor. You have to think of yourself mm. as a business owner because if you're just a voiceover actor, then that means that somebody is preparing all the other stuff for you. But that's, that's not what this part of the industry is. And there certainly is another side of the industry, like I said, if you've got agents in your corner um, that are handling kind of all of the business for you. But if you're doing it the way that I'm doing it, you're not just the voiceover actor, you're the business owner, you're the agent, you're the engineer, you're the marketer you're all of those things and you're the talent. So if you're approaching it like just the talent, then you're just churning out audition after audition after audition and then calling it a day. But if you're all of those, you're Mm. wearing all those other hats, your work is not done after you're done auditioning. You've got a ton of other stuff to do. So I think that's that's the biggest mistake that people make is thinking, well, I'm just gonna, I'm I'm just gonna do a whole bunch of auditions and, and see what comes back. Well, you know, things will come back, but I think it's going to take you a lot longer if you don't also take the time to investigate all the other aspects of the industry. Mm, gotcha. Uh, so what equipment do you use typically? Um, so yeah, I recently upgraded to the Neumann TLM 103, which is one of the, uh, it's considered one of the industry standard mics. Um, and then I use, uh, I have a soundproof space, that I record in, in my own home. Uh, and I use over the ear headphones and some pop shields and that's pretty much it. Oh, and I've got a, uh, you need an interface, uh, to plug all of your things into, to feed it into your computer. Ah, gotcha. Uh, and so what softwares would you recommend to someone who's just getting into voiceover work and wanting to start? Sure. Um, I know a lot of people use Audacity when they're first starting because I think I think there's a free version or all of it's free. I'm not quite sure. Um, I really love Logic Pro. That is my kind of home base. I think it allows for a lot of really great customization and you can also download some really great plugins to refine the sound so that let's say you've got like a lawnmower or the heater or something kind of like that low rumbling sound buzzing in the background and you just can't get around it even with your soundproofing. There are some really great things you can add to Logic to kind of mitigate that in post. So I think it does more than GarageBand, but it also does probably just enough. Um, Although I do know that a lot of people love Pro Tools, um, Audition. So there's a lot of different uh, wisdom on that. But for me, I've I've been successful with Logic Pro. Gotcha, gotcha. And so what kind of a budget would you recommend that someone set aside um, for starting this kind of work? It's tricky to say. I think it varies 
depending on, you know, the type of equipment that you're going to get, how much coaching you're going to need, um, who's going to do your demo reels, but all of those things need to be in consideration. I would say first and foremost, put your money towards coaching because that person is going to help you figure out all the rest. They're going to help you figure out the demo thing. They're going to help you know which mic is best for your voice because there are some that pick up high frequencies better than others. So they're better for people with higher voices, um, et cetera. So I think before you jump in and kind of, you know, go, you know, go all in and, and buy all this expensive equipment before you know what to do with it, first invest in some guidance from somebody who's going to be able to point you in the right direction. Um, I, I want to be transparent. It's not a cheap startup cost. It can come to being several thousand dollars. But the good news about that is a lot of it is one-time or nearly one-time costs or things that you rarely need to upgrade. Um, so once you kind of invest, it really is an investment in your career. Once you invest in that, it will come back to you. You will see a return on investment if you pursue, you know, diligent training and you really do the t- take the time to do your research and and apply yourself. Um, it it can be a very lucrative career and it is a really cool thing because you're not constantly you know running out of product and having to replace it. Um, your product is your voice, so um, it can be scary at first because people see the cost and they're like, oh no, I don't want to do it. But you know, it's just like anything else. Um, you know, if you want to be an actor, you take acting classes. If you want to be a singer, you take voice lessons. If you want to be a voiceover artist, then you take coaching and and you get the equipment that you need and, and you get started. So it all depends on, you know, the more you put into it, the more it will come back to you. Mm, like, like investing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sense. Just like investing. So what, um, what are some audition, voiceover audition tips that you would give? I think it's really important to audition selectively. And I think that's also where a coach comes in. I think when you're approaching it like the talent, like I said before, there's this misconception of just like pound out as many auditions as I possibly can. Just throw things at the wall and see what sticks. But you're going to be wasting your own time and the time of the client if you are auditioning for things that are not right for you. And the only way you're going to know that is through experience and also through training. Um, So I think it's a much better use of your time to, first of all, go ahead and listen to the most popular commercials right now on iSpot or on Spotify. Um, You know, get rid of your Spotify premium, listen to the commercials, Um, listen to the YouTube bumpers, identify the voices that are like your own and see where you might be able to fill a need in this market. And that can be a way that you train as well, is kind of ear training yourself that way. And once you've figured that out, then you're able to look at an audition brief and say, oh yeah, I am a fit for this because I just heard an ad that was really similar to this on YouTube or on Hulu. And I know I can do that. So this is, this is the right fit for me. I'm going to audition for this. Rather than just kind of indiscriminately auditioning for things, um, it's a much better use of your time to be selective about it. Mm, gotcha. And um, how has quarantine affected your work at all? If it, if it has or how you go about your work? Totally. I think on the one hand, it's really great because I have unlimited time to work on this. But on the other hand, it's like that sometimes means I can struggle with setting boundaries for myself and that I get trapped Uh, in the booth and I'm just auditioning constantly or networking constantly or reading or listening to podcasts and 
it's like before you know it, the whole day is gone. I haven't seen the light of day. <laughs> so, um, so it's been good, but it's also been an exercise in, again, including self-care on my to-do list because my nature is to just work um, until I can't work anymore. And I need to remember that in order to have the energy to work, I need to take care of myself. So it's it's been good. It's been a learning experience in a lot of ways. Um, and I think there are some things that I will take forward when we're out of quarantine um, because I've learned how much I can accomplish in one day, which is really great. But I, I've also learned what happens when I, I forget to eat lunch or I don't get enough sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're preaching to the choir. That's a <laughs> that's a very real thing. I'll like be be sipping my my water with um what you call it emergency, and I'll be like, this is lunch, it's fine. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> um, not good. No, don't do that. Everyone. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> um. So, what is a? I I think you've covered this a little bit, but what is a misconception that people have about voiceover work? Totally. And this is also, by the way, a misconception I had when I first started was that I didn't need to train in it. And it, it wasn't a specific industry. I thought, oh, it's an offshoot of the acting industry, which may have been true at one point. But it truly is. This is the misconception. It truly is its own business, its own industry. And I think that we're remiss to think that if we have skills that are voiceover adjacent, then we're good to go. That's enough. I don't need to research this industry. I can just dive right in. You can. It will take you a lot longer that way, though. <laughs> so, um, and that's something I wish I had done. I wish I had invested in coaching early because then it wouldn't have possibly taken me this long to get to where I am. Um, so I, I think that's the misconception that, um, that it's not its own profession because it absolutely is. Mm, gotcha. Um, and what is your favorite part about the industry or being part of the industry? I just love that you get to do so many different things in any given day. That's so interesting to me. Like, I love being able to, you know, use the full expression of my voice all in one day for all different types of projects. So being able to do a comedic spot for Jib Jab and then turn around and do something, you know, corporate and inspirational and, and motivational in the mm -hmm. same breath. Um, is really fun. It keeps it interesting and it breaks up the monotony. And so that's, that's my favorite thing. That and I think the relative flexibility because, as you know, like as someone who's pursuing uh, theater, I, I think possibly the most important thing when choosing a survival job, quote unquote, is flexibility. <laughs> so that's really important. And that was one reason why I decided to, to pursue um, running my own business from my own home. Mm, absolutely. Um, so on a more serious note, can you do any impressions? <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to know. This is maybe not an impression, but it is kind of a weird talent or like weird skill. <laughs> but um, I've got like a pretty decent Australian accent and I do a lot of Australian voiceover work. So it's really, it's really <gasps> weird. And I honestly don't even know where it comes from. I just sort of like watched a lot of Australian TV in high school and interviews and things like that. And now I do a lot of like Spotify ads and I don't know, like corporate things um, in the Australian market. And uh, usually oh I don't gosh. get busted, but sometimes I do. So <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. So good. So good. Oh, blessing me in my home right so now. So random. Um, <laughs> um, would, would you say that your passions outside of voiceover work um, inform it or vice versa? Yeah, I, I definitely think um, 
having gone to school for theater and and also pursuing theater alongside voiceover really does help my voiceover work because, you know, I was able to study script analysis and the International Phonetic Alphabet and smooth out my own really bad Chicago regionalisms that I came into college with um, so that I could learn how to turn those on and off when I need to. Um, Dialects, you know, dialect study was something else that we focused on at university. Um, and also comedy. It's so useful to be able to to know how to interpret comedy because there will be scripts that are 100% ridiculous that clients are going to get a whole bunch of auditions that are really flat and really salesy and are totally missing the whole point. Um, so I think I mentioned that I, d- I did jib jab for, I did a, a jib jab Christmas campaign last year. And it was absolutely ridiculous, like to the point of like potty humor and silliness. And they also wanted like a more kind of like straight up read. So it's really, really important if you can do both of those things. And I can't say that I would have been able to do comedy as well without theater um, teaching me how to do that. Oh, well, that's awesome. And so what would you tell your, this kind of turning a corner, but what would you tell your 13 year old self? Oh, Yeah. It seems so long ago now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, um, yeah, 13 was like right on the brink of your teachers telling you you need to come up with a career project and stuff, which is ridiculous that you would have oh, to yeah. figure out your entire life that young. But um, I think the things I was worried about as a 13-year-old would be finding love and acceptance and success and all those things. And so I guess I would just tell my 13-year-old self just trust the process. It's coming to you. You're doing all the right things. Don't worry so much about everybody else around you. Just focus on your own game. Um, and the things that you want will come to you at the right time. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the very last question is the most important one. Um, can you do the impression one more time? <laughs> the oh, yeah. Were- no, I don't know what you mean. What impression? This is just how I talk. So I don't know. <laughs> like really where it's coming from. Um. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on, Elena. Thank you. Thanks, Shamaya. This has been so fun. Yeah. And thank you all for tuning in. Um, Till next time. It's going to be really exciting. Fun times with fun friends. So I will see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.